As, as you all know, this is a massive season for us as a church. A week on Sunday, we move into a brand new building uh, here in Hales Owen, which is great, exciting. Um, Hagley is, is up and running and going really well. We've got a real good community starting to assemble there. We're excited about that. At the end of the month, uh, we have a stall at the uh, Bell Broughton Scarecrow Festival. Living the dream, living the dream. And uh, we as Life Central Church Hagley are going to be there all day on the Saturday, last Saturday in September. You'd be very welcome to come along. We're going to serve the community. We're helping them put the event on. So we're doing lots of things for them. And we've also got a stall ourselves. So we'll be uh, offering other stuff as well. And we'll be offering to pray for people if anybody wants us to pray for them, which will be really exciting. So if you've got nothing to do on the last Saturday in September, come to the Bell Broughton Scarecrow Festival. Living the dream, like I said, that's just what you always wanted. And it's really exciting about what is happening at the moment. And can I just say, all of these flyers um, that we've had pro- uh, produced for the opening of the new building for Hal Owen, lots of you have taken them to distribute, which is brilliant. We've got about 30 streets all packaged up, ready to go. If any of you life group leaders want to take some, or any of you, not even if you're life group leader, if you just want to say, hey, I'll take that street and do that street, it won't take you 10 or 15 minutes to do some of these streets. So any that are left, I'm going to do them all, okay? So it'd be great if there weren't 30 of them left, because that will take me a long time, okay? But if you can grab them from uh, Julie Smith uh, at the end, uh, then that would be brilliant. I don't know if you've ever been on an exciting adventure. Anyone ever been on a journey that was an exciting adventure? Let me tell you one. The M6 and the M5. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Me and Alison went up to Scotland this week. And uh, we didn't know when we went to Scotland, as we crossed the fourth bridge, that actually there's another bridge appeared beside it, which is a brand new bridge. And we crossed it on the day that it opened, which we didn't even know it was opening. So there you go. And on the way back from Scotland, we thought we'd take our time and we'd wait till the traffic had crossed on the new fourth bridge, the Queen's Ferry crossing. And then so we came over and then we, we toddled all the way down, down the borders. Then we, we pulled off into the Lake District, we went over Kirkstone Pass, we had a picnic by all water lake it was beautiful and it was all going really well until we got to junction 10 of the m6 and then it was an absolute nightmare and getting home from that last bit it was a nightmare like scotland to there was fine but getting from wolverhampton to here was a nightmare have you ever been on one of those kind of journeys you know we've been on one of those kind of journeys as a church haven't we We've been on one of those kind of adventurous journeys and some of you are really new to us and we're really glad you're here. And so for some of you, you may think, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background to our journey, okay? And then you'll understand why when we do go into that new building a week on Sunday, some of us may well break down and cry, all right? Because we've been on a long journey and it isn't just about a building, it's about much more than that. But I want to talk to you for a brief moment about an incredible journey that began in 1804. And this was a journey of two men called Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. And they were commissioned by Thomas Jefferson to go on an exploration, to go down the Missouri River and to find where it hits the Pacific Ocean. And they wanted to be the first people to do that because they knew that the British and the French were looking to do it as well. And so nobody had ever done this before. And so as they got their canoes into the river, they set off on their journey. And they went through lots and lots of different uh, places and tributaries and and all this kind of stuff. And then they got to the place where they thought that they were going to come over this kind of, you know, go through this river and they would hit the Pacific Ocean. But what they actually hit was the Rocky Mountains. Because nobody knew that the Rocky Mountains were there. They didn't know. The, the, the the, 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 The indigenous people knew, but they didn't know. 
And so all of a sudden, everything that they thought they knew about how to get there was out the window. The land before them was nothing like the land that they left. And so all that they knew, they had to adapt. Because they'd got canoes. How do you canoe the Rocky Mountains? So they had to abandon what they knew and they had to adapt. And they learned an important leadership principle. Adapt or die. Adapt or die. And I want to suggest to you, the culture and the landscape that we are moving into as a church is nothing like the one that we've left behind. Nothing like it. And it's almost like lots of our frame of references, lots of our maps, lots of our experiences are not going to help us with the future because the future is not a lot like the past. And so what we've got to do is we've got to learn to adapt or die. How, when you run out of water, how do you keep going? Well, you adapt and you change. You ditch the canoes and you ask for help. They, they made new boats out of burnt trees. What they did is what we have to do. You let go, you learn as you let go, and you keep going no matter what. We've been on an adventurous journey. We've hit the Rocky Mountains many times as a church. You know, 12 years ago in May uh, 2000, and, uh, um, whenever it was, 12 years ago, whenever that is, seven, five, that's it. And, and we, we set out on this journey and we really knew that God had told us to move out on this journey. We called it the third place and we bought buildings and we raised money, incredible amounts of money. And, uh, and it was great for a few years. And then we hit the Rocky Mountains and then we hit new land and with new challenges and all this kind of stuff. And God had spoken to us and the, and the drivers were vision. We wanted to reach more people. Also practicalities, we had to deal with several big issues in this building that we've got. And then legacy, we wanted to leave something for the future generations that was, that was better than what we had got and had experienced. And the road has been long and I want to say God has been faithful, hasn't he? And you know, not just that, you have been faithful. Many of you have been with us on the whole of this journey over the last 12 years. You have been incredibly faithful. I can remember one meeting that I went into with a group of 60 or 70 leaders. And we'd been down, um, you'd raised loads of money. We'd raised loads of money and you'd given loads of money. But we needed another two million to do what we felt God had put in our hearts to do. And so we had a whole year of walking a relationship with a, uh, another uh, organisation that was going to deliver that. And I remember at the end of that year when they pulled out, and walking into a room with 60 or 70 other leaders and telling them the journey we'd been on. Because I wasn't able to do that because we had to sign a confidentiality agreement. And, when I, and I was on the floor. I had hardly no faith at all. And when I said it to the leaders and you all looked at me and you said, well, these things happen. We know God's with us. We'll pick ourselves up and we'll carry on. You've been incredibly faithful and I want to thank you so much for that. And you know, every time when we've, when we've thought we've got somewhere, we've ended up hitting the Rocky Mountains again, haven't we? And then we thought a couple of years ago, well, okay, we'll let go of the idea of the big new auditorium, but we'll refurbish the one we got. And so we raised more money and then we had plans done and then we sent it out for tender. And on the day before the tender was due in, we had a jolly fire. And so we've had some issues, haven't we? We've had some difficulties. Meriwether and Clark, when they got to the end of the water, the one bit of their whole thing, they, they, they created a camp and they called it Camp Disappointment. And isn't that so true of what happens in our lives? That we get to things in our lives where we almost settle camp and we put up a camp, Camp Disappointment. And we've been through some disappointments over the last 12 years. But we are about to cross into a new season. Isn't that good? We are about to cross into a new season. 
And I'm so excited about that. And this isn't just about us building, going into a new building. God has really redirected us. We've adapted along the way. We knew God said reach more people. We thought we'd do it through a big building. God had other ideas. We're going to do it in other ways. And now we're in Hagley. And now we're open to thinking where God is leading us next. And more of that to come in the next few months. Woo. But it's exciting because God is leading us. And we're learning to, to actually trust Him rather than the map rather than our own experiences, to actually be led by him as we move forward. And as we turn the page, this is not the end of our story. This is just turning the page on another chapter. I want to go to, to a passage in the Bible that we've been to many times as a community. And we're going to look at this tonight and on Sunday morning as well. And it's in the book of Joshua, chapter 3. And we've been here many, many times. But, but every time that you circle back, you can see something new that God wants to say. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. So it says this in Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, you know this is the story of, um, backtrack a little bit. God said to us a couple of years ago the importance of entering in. Remember that? About, about God wanted us to enter into the fullness he had for us. And we looked at this story. We looked at, at the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, wandering around in the wilderness, but entering into Canaan, into the land that God wanted for them. Note that everyone had to move out from their positions and move forwards. It's very easy to get stuck in your position. I want to suggest your position becomes your rut. But actually, when the ark moves, and we're going to look at that on Sunday, when the ark moves, you've got to get out from your positions and follow it. And it said everyone came out of their positions and followed it. But no, everyone was in the same boat. None of them had been that way before. So what we're going as a church, there's a sense in which actually none of us have been this kind of way before anyway. And certainly not in this context. So let's kind of go together. And then it says, everyone was to be aware of the Ark of the Covenant. And we're going to talk about that on Sunday. But what I want to do tonight is, is I, want us to, I want to track you through three things that Joshua, that God told Joshua to do or, or to lead the people into as a way of preparation for the new season that they were about to enter. So whether this is us moving into a new building, whether this is us moving deeper into Hagley, whether this is in your own personal life, this is a new season that God has for us. And preparation is absolutely vital. There are three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at consecration. We're going to look at commemoration. And then a big shout from the men, we're going to look at circumcision. Woohoo! Okay, so firstly, we'll look at consecration. Joshua 3 verse 5. Yet yeah, the men all crossed their legs at that moment. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This first instruction is a clear two-part deal. Consecrate yourselves, God will do amazing things. You do your part. God's going to do his part. And I want to say, this is a bit of a mystery. This whole, what bit do I do? What bit does God do? Is anyone else like that? Or, you know, so, so, so do I, do I uh, wait for the door to open or do I knock on the door? Do, you know, do I go forward uh, and expect God to be there or do I wait? You know, this whole thing is difficult. 
But there's something about I consecrate myself to the Lord. But the Lord is the one who will do amazing things through me. To consecrate. The word means set oneself apart to be holy. Preparation of a vessel for sacred use. Simon did such a great job on Sunday. And one of the things that he quoted was from Craig Rochelle. He said this, God's highest calling for us is not our happiness, but our holiness. I'm going to talk about, about this a lot more on Sunday morning. Because I think, I, think I think we're in a big danger in the Western church. And I'm going to look at this on Sunday. And like I prayed and alluded to, we all love the idea of a kingdom. We just don't like submitting to a king. See, the reality is that we are the centre of our story right now. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be him. And to consecrate yourself is to set yourself apart for him. For him and for his use. His goal is not primarily our happiness, but our holiness. That's a really unpalatable message right now. There's a, but there's a few deeper layers to this meaning of, of, of consecrate. You see, it literally in the original language means to compose your heart and mind to hear and to obey God. To compose your heart and mind to hear and obey God. I'm going to give you a little quote now. From, not from me because it's way too deep. And I'm going to tell you this. This is so deep. Some of you will just go, oh, like that. Because it, it's, it really is. This is what Dallas Willard says. To believe something is to act as if it's true. Can you get that? To believe something is to act as if it's true. I think I could meditate on that for a long time. Do, do, do I really believe something? Then if I do, I will act as if it's true. There's another layer of meaning to consecration. The other layer is, is there's, a, there's a semblance, there's a, there's a suggestion in the, in the way the original Hebrew word for consecrate comes, is that it's to wash or change your clothes. And so in Exodus 19 verse 10, then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. So consecrate is about composing your heart and mind to hear and obey God, to believe and to act as if it's true. But it's also about changing your clothes because you're entering into a new season. You know, we, we, something went out on our um, Slack, which is our um, inter-office um, tool, uh, communication tool, about, about certain, uh, th- th- there'll be a certain time coming when we had to have our photograph taken for the website. And one member of staff says, what's the dress code? Good question. Because we all know that in certain occasions, we need to change our clothes, don't we? And there's a sense in which God is saying, consecrate yourself, is changing the clothes that you're wearing to prepare for the new season that you're entering into. Maybe some of us need to change the clothes we've been wearing. Maybe God's saying it's time to wear some new clothes. New clothes fit for a new season. See, our part is to change our clothing, to prepare our lives. Nobody else can do that for us. Nobody can consecrate you, only you. Nobody can set you apart for God, only you. God doesn't do it. It's our bit. Nobody can switch off the television that you're watching that you shouldn't be watching. Nobody but you can forgive the person that you know you should forgive. Only you can do that. Nobody but you can change the bad bad attitude that you have. Only you can do that. Only we can consecrate ourselves. And then God says, I'm going to do amazing things among you. We love that, don't we? 
But it's consecrate yourself today because God will do amazing things among you tomorrow. And what amazing things will he do? Well, I think he will do wonders and signs and miracles. And I think that's the season that we're going to be entering into. And I don't know about you, but I want that, don't you? I really do. When John the Baptist was in prison and he didn't know what was going on and he didn't understand what God was doing and he asked his disciples to go and ask Jesus, what is this all about? And Jesus says to his disciples, go back and tell John what you see. And he says this, go back and report to John what you hear and see in Matthew 11. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, this is the stuff I'm doing. So it, and this is so great what Simon said on Sunday. Even though God was silent for John in prison and he didn't understand it, he wasn't silent out here because he was doing all this great stuff. And it was like when they went back and told John what, Jesus, what, what they'd seen Jesus do, and John said, okay, I don't get why you're silent with me, but I get that you're doing some amazing stuff, and that's great. And I think that the season that we're going to enter into is a season where, where, where the blind will receive their sight. And not just physically, but maybe people who have no vision will get some vision. Where the lame will walk. And not just physically, although that will happen, but where people who can't get through life, get through life. Where people who can't get out of bed in the morning and don't know what to do with their one and only life, get some help and get some hope and get a job and get some support and get some strength and get some aspiration going. And when he says those who have leprosy are cleansed, and that could be physically diseases that are cleansed, but it could be those who've picked up some kind of stuff in their life that makes them feel unclean and not like everybody else, and they're going to feel accepted and belonging in a community. And the deaf hear, and that can be literally, but it can be those who've never heard God hear God for the first time. Wouldn't that be amazing? And the dead are raised, and that can be literally, we believe that, but it could be the spiritually dead Come to spiritual life. And we see more people baptised than we've ever seen before. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And that is not just the poor financially, but maybe the poor who are poor in terms of relational poor or, or morally poor, you know, as well as financially poor. Community transformation, righteousness and justice. And I want to read a couple of things to you uh, tonight. Um, I asked Iris, one of our elders, she, she keeps a, a folder of prophetic words. So when you send anything in to us, when you put it in writing, it goes in this folder. And we look at it as elders often. And I want to read some things to you. This was given on our 30th anniversary weekend in July 2009. You remember Paul and Priscilla Reed? Some of you will know them, friends of the church. They've been here many, many times. And she said this, this is what she said. When Job describes God's creation in the most amazing terms, he says, and this is but the outer fringe of him. What God is saying to you this morning is what you've experienced to date is merely the outer fringe of his works. Job also says you've merely heard his faint whisper. And God has yet so much more to say through you. And that whisper is going to grow stronger and stronger. What you've seen in your youth work and your community work and your children's work and your programs is merely the outer fringe. And God has so much more. That is what God wants to do. But his challenge to you in this family is, are you prepared to hazard and risk all in order to see the more that God has for you? And then she talks about Brian and Cynthia Cole. Brian and Cynthia Cole were the founding pastor and his wife of this church. Cynthia passed away a few months ago. 
Brian is going to be coming a week on Sunday to pray a dedication prayer for us in the new building. So as Priscilla says, it's Brian and Cynthia. When they founded this place with the group of people around them, they were willing to hazard and risk all. And it will require no less of you. You have a part to play. However insignificant you might feel in this body, God says it will take all of you, not just some of you. Are you prepared to hazard and risk all? I really believe that the vision that is before you will require as great a faith, if not more faith than the original vision. And it will require as much giving, financial, as well as of your time and gifts. God will open the storehouses in heaven and provide for you. But God will do that in proportion to the willingness on your part to give. As you give, as you give sacrificially and as you give your all, he will multiply as he multiplied the loaves and fishes and you'll have baskets to give away. Come on. I believe you'll have an overflow to give away to the nations and I believe other funding will come to you, but it will flow in as great as proportion as you are willing to hazard and to risk all. You have merely seen the outer fringe of his work, the faint whisper of his power. He has so much more for you. Are you willing to hazard and risk all? Are you willing to consecrate yourself for tomorrow? The Lord will do amazing things among you. I want to ask the band to come back up. You know, I want to be really honest with you tonight. Our encounters are family time, okay? It's a time when we, we know where we really like cut to the chase. And this could be our finest season as a church. I'm utterly convinced of this. Or it could be our most vulnerable you see, after the fire, the, two, the, the, six, the six months after the fire, we all stepped up. We all stepped in. I, I said this before, we hardly had any complaints for six months. Like none of you had any problems for six months. It was great. No, I'm joking. But it was like we all rallied together because that's what you do, don't you? When there's a big tragedy like that, we all locked arms together. But the danger is when we get finally into the new building, we could all go, Phew. do you know what I mean? And instead of locking arms, maybe we'll start shaking fists. Instead of stepping forward, maybe we'll pull back. Instead of stepping up, maybe we'll ease off. And so what could be our finest season as a church also could be our most vulnerable as well. And we need to understand the enemy does not like what is happening here right now. He really doesn't. And if ever I was reminded that we're in a battle, I was in the gym this morning, honestly, and at eight o'clock and I was on this weight machine and my phone went, I thought, who on earth is phoning me at eight o'clock? It's got to be important. And it was Stuart. And he phoned me to tell me that last night, somebody broke into our new building and they pulled a van up to Birmingham Street car park and they smashed their way through the back door and they smashed a fence down and they took uh, the new cooker that we'd got in the kitchen and a few other bits and pieces and they dragged it out and pulled it across the fence and put it into their van and drove off. And in the end, I, I, and my, my first question was, have they trashed the building? And we got there and they hadn't. And miraculously, a lot of the really expensive stuff was still there. But it reminded me again that we're in a spiritual battle, aren't we? And I think, my, and one of the workmen said to me, for 14 weeks I've been on this job. It's been one of the best jobs I've ever been on. Nothing has gone missing. No tools have gone missing. And that's really unusual. He says, and then this happens. And then me and Stuart said, and it's because we're in a battle. And you know, the, the Bible says, Jesus says, I've come that of life and life in all its fullness. But the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I ain't bothered so much about a cooker. That's not what he wants to steal. What he wants to steal is our confidence and our courage and our peace.
And if he can steal that, then he's got everything, in he? Because then we're the people that shrink back, the Bible says. But we're not going to do that, are we? We're going to consecrate ourselves. We're going to get ourselves ready because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things among us. And if ever we've needed a reminder of that, when the enemy starts getting agitated, then we know that we're in for good things. So what I want to encourage us to do is we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight and we're going to consecrate ourselves, okay? Then we're going to look at commemoration and circumcision and they're shorter, but tonight we're just going to spend a little bit of time preparing our hearts and saying, Lord, I want to be someone who enters in to all that you have for me. I don't want to be someone that just looks at the ark moving and steps back. I want to follow the ark wherever it goes. And Lord, I want to cross through and I want to enter in. And that means getting ourselves Maybe it means changing our clothes. Maybe for some of us, we've been wearing the same old clothes. Maybe the clothes of disappointment. Maybe the clothes of our, of our past. Maybe the clothes of our hang-ups, of our mindsets, whatever it is. Maybe it's time to change some of that stuff and to wear some new clothes for a new season. And to say, Lord, I'm going to believe now. And that means I'm going to act as if it's true. I'm going to consecrate myself. And I'm going to say, Lord, if there's only me, I'm going but I'm going to go with you because tomorrow you'll do amazing things among us. Let's pray. Father, we just bring ourselves to you tonight. Lord, in this two weeks of prayer and this two weeks of preparation, Lord, as we enter into this new season as a community, and Father, we, we long for you to do amazing things among us. Lord, we long for men and women and boys and girls to find faith here in Hales Owen. We long for men and women and boys and girls to find faith in Hagley. God, in all the communities around about, we long to see a revival. We long to see a move of Your Spirit. We long to see the dead raised, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. Lord, we long for that. And God, You are in that business. That's who You are. And yet, Lord, You choose to operate in this mysterious, humbling partnership between us and you. And so Lord, we say tonight, we want to consecrate ourselves. God, I know there's areas of my heart where, where I say I believe, but I don't act as if it's true. And God, I want to say, Lord, tonight, I want to repent of that. And Lord, from this moment, God, I, I, want, to, I want to act out. I want to live it out, Lord, what I say I believe in. God, I want my heart to be ready for all that you want to do in me and through me. And so Lord, we say, here's our heart. Would you come, Lord, now? Would you come? And we consecrate ourselves to you tonight in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand together, guys? And as, as Dan and the team lead us, I want to just encourage you to, to just consecrate yourself, whatever that means for you. Maybe for some of you, it's kneeling down. Maybe for some of you, it's sitting down. Maybe it's standing. Maybe it's moving out from your seat. Let's just take a bit of time and, um, and let's just bring our heart to God and say, here's our heart. And, before we get, you know, excited about getting in a new building and, you know, get the new church up and running and, and all of this and all of that, we want to consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. What are you saying to me? What are you doing in me? What do I need to change in me? What, what clothes do I need to change? How do I need to be ready for all that you want to do in me and through me? The second thing is commemoration. What he then did, what Joshua then did, is he told 12 people representing the 12 uh, tribes to take a stone, you remember the story, and to, and to place it there. 
and to create a, 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 a memorial almost, but, but, but a kind of a monument really about what God had done. And then it says in Joshua 4, um, this is going to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, tell them, tell them what God did. And it's really important when we're moving forward to pause and to give God thanks. It's really important that we tell the stories of what God has done amongst us. It is really important that we, that we talk as a church about, about how we began, about the key things God did, about those moments. They're really, really important. The Bible says you hand them down to your children and your children's children. It's really important. There's a narrative, there's a story that God is, is working out. And the importance of a memorial is so you don't forget. Because you've heard me say this a lot of times. We forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget, don't we? And it's important that we remember the right things. And when you do that, when you remember what God did, it reminds you what God can do. When you remember what God did, it reminds you what God can do. Gratitude and thankfulness are such powerful weapons in our hand. You know, recently we've been um, giving these prayer cards out and asking people to, to, to put prayer requests. And we've been praying over them as a staff team, as elders, many of them. And it's been quite amazing seeing how many have, have come in. And, and people who aren't Christians have been filling them in and handing them in. And we've been praying for them, which is brilliant. But on the back of the prayer card, there's a praise bit where, where, someone, where you can write down. So, and sometimes we don't hear enough good stories, do we? And, and let me read a few uh, from the prayer cards. There's no names here, but let me just, just, just read a few. Someone said this, I've received answer to prayer for being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing God. I'm so thankful for a church that gives hope and a church family that are helping me on my journey with Christ. Isn't that great? Someone else is who I know, I know is a brand new Christian. I've had pain in my right arm for eight weeks and taking painkillers, but I went to the prayer room. They prayed for complete healing and the prayer was answered. Fantastic. And then this other one, lady put in a prayer request for her daughter who'd had a diagnosis of hip dysplasia requiring major surgery. The prayer request was the surgery would go well and she was kept well. But the lady came back and filled in the thanks card to say no major surgery was required. The doctors were baffled because when they looked at MRI results, it was showing different to what they had diagnosed and all she required was some physio. Isn't that amazing? I know it's amazing because she's here tonight. That's amazing. And you know, when we remind ourselves of what God has done, it, it creates courage in us and, and faith, doesn't it? And it also, what it does is it enables us to pause and to remind ourselves that anything we have that's good is from Him. And so we're entering into a new building and that's brilliant, but it's His. And we're entering into a new season, but it's His. Because all the glory goes to Him, doesn't it? That's what these stones mean. But they create some little narrative that we can tell others, hey, this is what God did. And it's not about us, it's about Him. But this is what He did. But this is so that you get just how great our God is. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're gonna, we've created a few little thankfulness stations around the place. There's four of them. There's one over there. There's one right here. There's one the other side of the video man. And there's one right at the back. And we're going to thank God for what He's done for us. Is that good? We're going to thank God for saving us. We're going to thank God for what He's done in our lives. And while we do that, and while we celebrate, and while we worship, I want to encourage any of you that want to, to go out there and there's some, there's some 
post-it notes and some pens and just write your own thankful kind of prayer or, or statement about what you're grateful to God, what you're thankful that God for God. And for maybe for what He's done in your own life, maybe for what He's done in us as a community. But whatever it is, but just stick it on those stones so that you, it's your kind of way of saying, hey, I want to thank God. I want to put a marker down. I want to put a stone down just to, just to say I'm thankful to God for what He's done. Is that okay? So why don't we stand together and um, Jane is going to lead us. We're going to thank God for what He's done. Uh, in us as a church and as individuals and and as you want to just move around uh, and just head to one of those places and just interact with that as well and let's see what God does. I want us to pray for the guys that broke in and stole our stuff and threatened to steal our peace and I want to pray for them, okay? I'm not going to pray for bad things, all right? We're going to pray for them, aren't we? Okay? Because there's got to be something missing in your life if that's what your life has come to. And we want to pray for them. So let's, will you join with me as we pray for them? Father, we want to bring these guys or girls or whoever they were to you, Lord, tonight. And God, we pray that you would miraculously intervene in their lives, that you would arrest their life, Lord Jesus, that you would intervene in their life, that the trajectory of their life would be changed by your power and by your peace and by your purpose. God, I pray that somehow even nicking our stuff and breaking into that building, Lord, I pray that that would be a catalytic thing in them meeting you and that God, that you would set their life on a different course, that you would give them hope and meaning and purpose beyond just the theft of stuff. Lord, would you help them? Would you give them hope? Would you intervene in their lives, I pray? Lord, we pray for them. And God, I do pray, as well as praying for them, we do pray over the whole of that site, Lord. We do pray now protection over that site. We do pray, Lord Jesus, for your angels to watch over. God, we pray for the workmen that are working there. Lord, we pray for our relationships. We thank You that some of them have said they're going to come to the opening and be there when we worship and when we dedicate, Lord. And we pray that in all of that connection and relationship, that there will be a transaction that will be Your Spirit. That it won't just be a business transaction. There will be something deeper and more profound will impact their lives, Lord Jesus. God, would you use them? Would you use their gifts and skills on the building to do something in their own lives, we pray. So Father, we commit all this to you. Lord, what the enemy means for harm, you turn it for good. And so Lord, we declare your goodness over this project. We declare your goodness over the site. We declare your goodness, Lord, over all the individuals who come onto the site, whether they should be there or shouldn't be there. God, we declare your goodness over their lives. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Take your seats just for a moment, guys. We're, we're nearly there. And just the third thing, circumcision. And I'm going to cut to the chase. Oh, we're thinking about that one all day long. Listen, listen why circumcision is important, okay, is it's, a, it's a <laughs> for 40 years, it hadn't happened in the wilderness. It was a rite of passage for Hebrew men to be circumcised. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant between you and God. 
And for 40 years, it hadn't happened in the wilderness. Now, it's a strange thing that when you get through the Jordan and you're into the promised land, and of course, as you know, the very first thing they do is they have a big battle, which we're going to look at on Sunday a little bit. And to me, it's counterintuitive that why would you cause all of the men in the camp to be vulnerable for a few days and unable to fight? <laughs> okay, why would you do that? You know, why would you, why would you do that? Why would you, do, why would you choose circumcision then, you know, when your men are going to be vulnerable? Because it's a sign of who really is in charge, of where the strength and the power really comes from. It's from Him. And so this is what it says. It says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Not because they've been done once, because they've never been done for the 40 years. Okay, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised them. And this is so important. Because it was, it was God saying, listen, before you get on into the promised land, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you belong to. You belong to me. This is what's happening here. You're mine. And this is so important. And then the Lord said to Joshua, when it happened, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. In other words, he's saying, this is not just about who you are. This is about where you've come from. And we're drawing a line we're drawing a line under the past because we're now we're going into a new season. That's why circumcision was so, so important. And the Hebrew word for Gilgal, which is the place where it was called, is galal, means to roll or roll away, like a stone, like a wheel being rolled away. It was like all of that 400 years of slavery and all of that stuff in Egypt and all of that stuff from your past is rolled away and you're entering into a new season. That's why circumcision was so important in this thing. So, so, so there was a, a, um, a consecration, there was a commemoration, and then there was circumcision. And um, the renewal and the reestablishment of covenant was really important. Because actually Joshua, you know, Joshua knows that the very next thing they're going to do is they're going to fight their biggest battle. So getting into the promised land isn't about putting your feet up on the deck chair. There's their biggest battle to come when they get into the land. And we're going to look at that a little bit on Sunday. And I think... That for me anyway, this, this thing that happened last night, um, you know, is just one of those little things that the enemy does to try and steal your confidence and your courage and your peace. And you know, one of my favourite verses, and I need it a lot, is, is in Hebrews chapter 10, where the writer says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what He has promised. And we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Amen. We ain't going to shrink back, are we? We're not going to shrink back. We're going to enter in to what God has for us. And so I want us to stand and we're going to pray for a moment. And we're now going to pray for the future. Okay, so can we stand just for a moment? And I want you just to, just to turn in groups where you are and just maybe begin to pray. And then we're going to declare something as we finish tonight. So just begin in groups where you are and just pray now for the future. Okay? Pray for the future. Pray for tomorrow. That what will happen as we enter into this new season. Yes, as we go into a building, as we move further into Hagley, as we, as we do that. But individually in our own lives as well. As we consecrate ourselves to God. As we remember what God has done. As we, we draw a line on the past and step into what God has for us. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray for that prophetic word given in 2009. What was it? We've, we've only seen the outer fringe. 
We've only heard the tiniest whisper of all that God has for us. Let's pray for hundreds and hundreds of children to meet Jesus. Let's pray for hundreds of young people to meet Jesus. Let's pray for hundreds of adults and older adults to meet Jesus. Let's pray for a change in our community and in our society. So just where you are, just begin to pray. Begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for lifting our eyes tonight. And Lord, we thank you for speaking into our hearts and into our lives. And Lord, now as we go, I pray, God, that we would look up and that we would see you at work. That we get that perspective, Lord Jesus, that even if we're in the midst of that darkness, that God, the light is coming from your eternal perspective. Let us never forget who we are. And Lord, I pray that as we go forward now, Lord, to follow you, it is all about you. And Lord, over these next few days, as we plan and prepare, God, may we be aware of you at work in our workplaces, in our communities, in our families, in our lives. God, with people we bump into in the street. God, you're always at work. God, may we enter into your plan. May we step forward with you into your mission. God, we're not asking you to join ours. God, we're coming into yours. So God, now send us out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Consecrate us, God. And tomorrow, do amazing things among us and through us, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. Please grab some leaflets on your way out. It'd be great if all of them could go and get distributed and pray for those families that you press, push them through the door. Pray for the families and the homes that you, that you go to as well. God bless you. See you on Sunday.